Sometimes we think forgiveness is reliant on an apology. We think we only have the right to forgive when we see the apology, the justice, and the change in behavior, action, word. But I didn't get any of that. And so that is something I wrestled with. Like I had to reach that place. And that is a process. Welcome back to the Prepare Podcast. Okay, I know y'all are excited about part two of my conversation with Katie Laidlaw. So let's get to it. And I'll see you at the end. So like there's so much hurt and brokenness that we are just standing by waiting for it to be healed. And we have an opportunity to be part of that healing process. Yeah. It's like a kid wanting to jump into like the deep end for the first time. They're super like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is, this is going to be like flying high when I finally jump in and I, I can swim in it. But for some reason, just that little piece of fear within the excitement and the desire keeps us and makes us, you know, do that, that kind of like lunge forward and stop. Mm. But when we jump in, there is no greater joy than jumping full in. And we're so happy that we did it. We question why we were so afraid in the first place. Right. And so we have the opportunity to jump in and heal and to bring joy and to bring peace and to bring comfort through the spirit, through the power of spirit. We've yes. been given the power of yeah. the spirit yeah. and we have that opportunity. If you want to know where that comes from, you read Ephesians. Like it's there. Right. It's right there. Yes. Exactly. And we have that opportunity. And I just, every day I wake up and my, my first prayer is asking God to make sure that I am not missing out on what he has for me. Mm. And that's, I beg him every day. I'm like, please don't let my own thoughts, my own agenda, my own routine, my own opinions, my own anything to keep me from what you have, Mm. because I want to see people grow. I want to be part of God's kingdom on earth. And I want to see other people know him and experience him as I have. Even in the worst moments of my life, I have experienced God at work. Mm. And so I just beg him every day. I don't want to, if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. I hate Mm. being wrong. I love being (laughs) right, but I have been wrong. I have been wrong. And I have to be open for that because God has so much more for us than our own pride and our own routine and there's so much more for us. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram five for the record. So I okay. love being right. Yes. <laughs> I know that about you with a one wing or something like that. You've got a little one right. in you too. Yeah. I do. I think at work, I'm a one. Mm. Yeah. I've taken the test differently. I've been like, this is my work mind and I'm a one. Yeah. But- oh, no, that's an interesting thought. I, yeah, that's worth exploring. What am I like at work compared to what I'm like at home or? in my own space. Hmm. I'm totally, totally different. Cause I'm like extroverted at work, but when I'm, when I'm at home, I am the most introverted introvert you'll ever see. Yeah. Like the phone, do not disturb goes on. <laughs> you need your space. I've always said that e- even for the most extroverted people who claim to be extroverts, I know for a fact, they still like to go home and have a moment yes. just to recharge. Yeah. You need that. Okay. So going back to your story, that apartment, 
you had to live there for several months after. Yeah. What was that like coming home every day facing that? Yeah. Yeah. So that I was assaulted in January um, and I didn't get to move out until October. Oh my word. So it was a very long time. And because of COVID, the apartment complex, all they had to do in order for me not to be released from my lease, all they had to do was show proof that they did something to rectify the situation. So they put security cameras in the hallways mm. and they fulfilled, they checked that box. Oh um, so it was going to cost like $6,000 to be released from my lease. And I just got a master's degree. I'm single. Yeah. I live on my own in Chicagoland. I don't have $6,000 extra to just throw at getting out of my lease. Right. So I was stuck. I was stuck. And coming home every day, I would avoid it. Mm. So I started staying longer at work. I started scheduling more visitation. I started doing more outside of you know what I would usually do. And especially during COVID where we all were already experiencing creative burnout in ministry. Yeah. I had creative burnout and then I had physical burnout. I had spiritual burnout. I had mental burnout. Um, and so between January and I would say June, when I kind of hit my, my breaking point, I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Um, like that's when I resigned from my full-time ministry position at Norwich. I just felt like I had nothing to give anymore. I had been fighting through and serving and being and doing all the things in my ministry up until that point. But the re-traumatization that happened every night and I couldn't sleep um, because I was afraid. And, you know, even though I knew I had done the things I needed to do to make sure I was safe, but you just can't, you walk into that space and you, it go, it just, it's like a movie. It just all flashes back through your mind. Yeah. But I made friends with the policeman who was the first responder to my case. Mm. And so uh, the kindest man who I found out later is a believer. That's awesome. And one of his daughters goes to um, my alma mater from my undergrad. So we kind of bonded over that. But uh, he was present for me. Mm. Like he would either show up and check on me, or he would call me at least once a week and mm. say, I know you're still in that place. What, how are you doing? And just him calling me yep. like this random policeman that, you know, he just was like, something's different about you. And because I have four daughters, I can't imagine if I had a daughter that was in your situation. Mm. And so he was one of the people that was just like, I thanked God for all the time just because of his, his kindness. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I still communicate with him to this day. Yeah. And he was there on the, you know, the day before I moved out of that place. And he was like, this is it. You're free. Yes. You're free. Yes. And I'm standing there sobbing because it's just yeah. like, it's amazing in those moments when you're just questioning everything. And having to go back to that place every day for how many months, January through October, there were still moments of joy yes. that I was able to have. Mm. Um, you know, even just in crazy me inviting my friends over to my apartment that I was sexually assaulted <laughs> in. I'm like, everything's fine. We're all good. There's power in numbers. But, you know. Creating a different memory. You make new memories and new new joy so that, you know, that day when the apartment was all cleaned out and emptied and I just stood there and I was able to look and I was able to think of the happy things 
yeah. the good moments, the moments of joy and smile. Of course, there was lots of weeping and, you know, of the sad things, but I was able to recall the good times as well. I just imagine you shutting that door to your apartment and walking away. It's done. This part, this chapter of my life now is the beginning of the, of the end of it. Yeah. You're coming to the last yeah. pages. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my parents came to help me move out and, you know, they were aware of the, the basic story, you know, the basic things that had happened. You know, I've never really gone into detail with them hmm. about this just because my mom's a, a tough lady. So, you know, she, she would go insane <laughs> if I went into details, but uh, we don't have to <laughs> go into that. But right. uh, we just stood there after yeah closing that door and we all just kind of stood in the hallway. And I just remember like I had my hand on the door and I just stood there for a little, like a minute. And in my mind, like I didn't know what was happening, but I guess what was coming out of my mouth was like, Lord protect the next person who lives yes. here. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I, like, I don't remember that, but my brother brought it up to me the other day, actually, hmm. just because he just was like, that's crazy. He said, I probably would have, you know, said a few choice words as I was walking away. And I was like, yeah, but that just shows how much healing God has done That's right. from that point, January to October. Who would have thought that I would be at that place? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to be at that place of healing mm-hmm. at that point. I didn't know that God was going to do that much in my heart, even to the point, you know, this policeman uh, invited me to speak to a woman's shelter about sexual assaults and rape and surviving trauma and healing from trauma. I, if you would have asked me, even in, you know, June, Katie, like, is that something that you're willing to do? I would have been like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Like, do you know what I've been through? Do you know where I am? Like, I, I can't even put two words together at this point, but God heals. Yes. And he gives comfort. Amen to that. So thankfully your offender has been convicted and is in prison right now. Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. And you have moved on physically moved out of the apartment and moved into yes. a new place. What are some things this is I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are things that you would say to your offender if you had the opportunity, you know, in a safe place if if you ever saw him again? Is, what would you want to say to him now? Uh, first, I would want to tell him that I forgive him. Mm. Um, that's something that the Lord really convicted me of in this whole healing process was the need to forgive, mm. forgive myself for leaving my door unlocked, forgive him for um, doing that to me, mm-hmm. forgive the people who I disclosed to who weren't there for me, forgive my apartment complex for not giving grace um, and making provision in a really horrific circumstance, I had to do a lot of forgiveness. So I think that would be the first thing that I would say to him. And then the second thing I think would be, where is your brokenness? Hmm. What is a way that people can come around and support you to heal from whatever you're doing to be in that place where you know, because I, I, I do believe there's there's a darkness, you know, there for someone to act in that way. And there has to be. Right. And I just like, I would figure out a way somehow to ask that mm-hmm. um, and to have that conversation. Like what? Why? Mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I did choose to not know uh, his name. I did choose to not know anything about him just because I am the type Enneagram 5. I would look him up on the internet every day to make sure that he was still incarcerated. And But I would like want to know about him. I do research. I'd be like, where's his Facebook page? Where's his this? What does he post? You know, And I'd make my own opinions about this and that. But and that's just a rabbit trail we don't want to go down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm never going to know and I'm never going to receive an apology from no, him. Right. Even when he looked me in the eyes at the trial when he was being uh, convicted, there was no apology. Mm-hmm. There was just justice served. Mm-hmm. Praise God that there was justice served. But I never like that is not something I'm ever going to get. And so sometimes we think forgiveness is reliant on an apology. Mm. We think we only have the right to forgive when we see everything, all those ducks in a row for us in order to forgive yep. the apology, the justice, um, the change in mm-hmm. behavior, action, word. But I didn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. I got the justice, but him as a person, I didn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. And so that is something I wrestled with. Um, and I just kept asking God, like, why do I need to forgive him when? I'm not going to get any of that. And God's like, do you think that I forgive like that? Oh, Lord. Like, Katie, you know how many times you have disobeyed me, that you have chosen darkness over my light, and I have forgiven you every time? Yeah. And so that was on me. Like, I had to reach that place. And that is a process. Oh, yeah. Like, it is not just, I forgive you. Like, we can say that all we want. But forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is reaching a place of reconciliation, even if just in yourself. Because I'm never going to be able to have that reconciliation moment and conversation with my my assaulter. It's not going to happen. But I can reconcile my heart, my trauma, my brokenness with him involved with God. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, Forgiveness, we do not have the attributes of God, okay? God can throw our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. We are human, and God did give us memories. While I do believe he can He can help cleanse our memories, you know, from, from some of those things and help us move on, we're still left with scars. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in your ministry now, how can you use your experiences, and not just this experience, but even your growing up experience and and graduating at 16 and becoming an adult and all of those things. How does your life experiences so far influence your ministry in Christian education? Tell us a little bit how you connect some of those dots. Yeah. So I believe that, you know, my experiences and what I've been through have given me wisdom to share. So right now, Um, The nature of my position, I deal more with leaders and training leaders and equipping people who are directly ministering to youth on the field. So I went from direct youth ministry, which, you know, I was able to use my story and use my experiences to kind of shape how um, I ministered to youth experiencing their own trauma. Yeah. I mean, just the past two years of pandemic life has been trauma for each of us in our own way. So that has been a way that I can do that. And also, you know, ministering to youth directly 
I, I've been around the block. So I kind of you know things and I see things um, that maybe other people don't see. And so I'm able to say, hey, yeah, I'm not dumb. I know what you're doing. Uh, I was like you once in my in my old days. So, you know, I kind of was able to approach it from that way instead of just being like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. I'm able to come alongside and have the Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. instead of just authoritative. This is what we don't do. This is how we act. But just saying like, let's chat about this because that is what's impactful, right? Yeah. I know me as a young person, the minute I was told not to do something, I did it. Yeah. That's how I functioned. Um, And so that that mentality has kind of impacted the way that I do ministry. Relationship is so crucial and so important. And so when not now, when I'm training leaders and equipping leaders, that's just always what I'm encouraging that relational discipleship. Um, You cannot have an effective ministry if you are not having impactful and relational conversation and moments of connection with your youth. Yeah. And so the youth know if you're just doing the, you know, the good old thing, the good old uh, O&R type of programming and things like that. They know you're just doing your job and that maybe you don't care about them the most. Yeah, they can see through all of that. Exactly. Kids are so intuitive and they know when you're just doing what you need to do to do it or if you're really caring, if you're really desiring to make that connection with them. Yeah. And they'll be the first ones to call you out on your garbage. Yep. Mm-hmm. They will be the first ones. And so, you know, I had my those moments of my ministry, you know, even in my place of when I was dealing with the hard stuff. And they're like, Katie, something's wrong with you. Like, you're not yourself. What's going on? And I'm just like, you know, like, just dealing with some stuff, guys. And they're like, that's crap. <laughs> Which that's what they would say to me. And I'm like, yeah. we don't, we're not going to say crap. So it's just some stuff. It's But, mm-hmm. you know, they are the first ones to call you out. Yeah, Kids watch. And so you know, in in equipping and uh, training leaders for youth ministry, like match the level. That's always just what I'm saying. Like you got to match the energy. You know, kids are all about the vibe these days. You know, you got to, got to fit the vibe. And so just all of these things that I've experienced and seeing myself in youth really, um, I think that's why I'm so passionate about youth ministries because in every youth that I've come in contact with and that I've, you know, had conversation with that I've ministered to, like, I see a part of myself and I think to myself, Mm -hmm. if only someone would have taken this time with you, you would have loved and adored for someone to do this for you. And imagine how different some of those really rocky years would have been if someone would have taken this time with you. All it takes is going to Raising Cane's you know, once in a while, take them to do that. I'm the queen of kids jumping at me and let's go to dinner. Let's go to do this. Let's just figuring out how you can make those impactful moments where they can sit back at 30 years old and say, Hmm, I'm going to do that because that was shown to me. Yeah. And that's how the body's going to grow. Yeah. Youth are dropping off because they don't see the genuine care. They don't see the authenticity. That's a huge problem. Yeah, they see us talking about doing good and loving others and doing all of this, but we're kind of not like going back to that diving thing. We're we're not completely taking the dive. And they think, well, that's not what I've been taught. So is that really where we're at? 
So we have an opportunity to change that narrative and win our kids to Christ. Like, I don't care what church you go to. Mm -hmm. And some people get mad at me when I say that, but I don't care if you wear a uniform. I don't care if you're a salvationist. I just want you to love the Lord Mm -hmm. with all of who you are and serve him. That's all that matters to me. And that's how, that's how we're going to do it is not, you know, in the, the little nitty gritty of things, but just showing them Christ and, and teaching them the word and, and developing a, a prayer life and doing all those things. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like those, the kids, they, they see it, they know it, they know when it's not genuine. They know when you're just checking the box. Yes, they do. I am so grateful, so grateful. I got to give a shout out to my church, Oak Brook Terrace Salvation Army. They have a intentional youth ministry program as well, just like you guys do at Norwich. And my kids have been discipled and loved and and they show up. I mean, people during the pandemic, they came to our house and just knocked on our door and said, hey, how are you doing? You know, yeah. like what just what you were saying, like we had no idea they were coming just showing up at your house just to check on your kids. And so, I mean, that spoke volumes to my, especially my son, who is an introvert, like times 1000. And, you know, he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve. You don't really know what he needs until he tells you. And even then you got to pull it out of him. But that spoke volumes to him. Like, I am seen. People know me. They like me. This is going to be okay. We're going to be okay. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Katie, I thank you so much for being vulnerable and brave. I think I feel like we we sometimes we say people are, you know, thank you for being vulnerable, but there's brave that comes along with yeah. that. You know, there's courage that that gives you that space to be vulnerable. Um, so thank you so much for for sharing your story with us today. And um, I know that there are listeners out there who either have been through or know someone who has been through something similar and can relate to that. What's one last thing you want to say to anyone listening out there who um, may be struggling just as you did? Yeah. Trauma is a carousel style process of grief. Mm. There's no, there's no linear process. You know, they talk about like the seven stages of grief. It's not, it's not stages. It's a carousel. And sometimes you feel like you can't ever get off. But the beauty is, is that you can always get to enjoy a carousel ride. And so just stay on it and keep focused and rely on the spirit um, and seek those opportunities for eating that piece of joy and and receiving peace and comfort and immerse yourself in the body Mm. um, and minister to others because that's when the carousel ride begins to become enjoyable and that grief starts to lessen and the joy starts to increase. Yeah. Awesome. Katie, you are an inspiration to us all. Thank you so much for sharing today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This was great. All right. See you around the office. All right. I'm so thankful for Katie and her willingness to share something that was really difficult for her to talk about. But what I love so much is you could hear in her voice, forgiveness. And it wasn't just something she said. She is putting it into practice. She is making it a part of her life, examining every aspect of it all. And that's what God does with our hearts. 
He looks deep into the hard parts, into the parts that we want to keep hidden. He sees it. He knows it all. And he just wants to take it and refine it and heal it and reconcile it and bring it back into what it was created to be. This is hard stuff. And like what Katie said, it's a process. And sometimes just taking that next step or even that next breath is all we can handle. But I just want to encourage you. God is there. He hasn't left. He loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I hope you know that today. And friends in the body of Christ, let's not forget what we learned in episode one about asking God to reveal to us those who need us, those who are hurting. You won't have to look very far. And just as Katie was so brave in sharing her testimony with us, ask God to show you how you can be his hands and feet and eyes today. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. But as always, I hope that this podcast has left you feeling prepared and equipped for tomorrow. I'll see you next time. God bless you.